Welcome to My Creative Corner 3, a podcast about quilting, crafting, and all kinds of creativity and life in a northern town. You may notice this week it's a stripped-down version of the podcast because my computer is in the shop, but I thought it would still be fun to address the Ask Me Anything questions that um, people asked on Instagram and Facebook. But first, what have I been up to? Well, I finished the Border Quilt Along quilt top. I um, had options throughout this medallion-style quilt on when to stop. And I'm leaving off the last round of pinwheels because I'm running out of fabric. It's still a great size, and I love all the saturated colors. And if you're interested in looking at the pattern, I will include that in the show notes. Uh, Jen at Patterns by Jen did a wonderful job on this quilt along. And let's see, I'd made a couple of decisions. Um, I did decide to end the other medallion quilts because I was running out of fabric at the Flying Geese round for my Moda Bake Shop Choose Your Own Adventure quilt. And so that's done. So I'm really having um, a moment of looking at my project. So I think the next one I'm going to work on is the Shibori Houses. But, you know, this is a time of year where you see lots of great things online. And I did buy a pattern from... Zen Chic, and wow, it's um, Flying Geese on point. That's all, Flying Geese. And I thought that would go really, really well with my stash of cherry wood hand-dyed fabrics. So that's my plan for the first of the year. And then also, my friend Kristen is having a new quilt along start in January but the thing about it is it's for hand piecing nine block hand piecing so go to simple handmade every day it's a blog as well as there's a, a Facebook group and you can get in on the free quilt along it's going to be fun I thought you know January is a nice month to work on handwork and I have been really wanting to do a handwork quilt project. I haven't done it in a long time. My fingers sometimes, you know, get sore, so I can't do too much, but I thought nine blocks. I think I can keep up on it. And then maybe hand quilt the little quilt at the end. I think think that would be an incredible amount of fun. The other thing that um, I've been working on in the crafty department is trying to get some ideas for Christmas and different uh, projects that I see along my way and I've been pretty inspired to do macrame things so I have a swag um, it was a test piece and I decided that for the bunting and valence that I want to do the quarter inch cord is too heavy but I did put it on a tension rod and it's in my craft room and makes for a very nice valence. It needs some finish work. I want to add like some side cords or maybe hang a macrame feather off it. It just needs something to finish it, but it was a fun project and I think it will serve the purpose to help have um, privacy in that room because it's right by my back door. I did make a video on YouTube about it if you're interested. 
And um, so the macrame valence for the mudroom, which is going to get an update here over the holidays, um, it needs new valences and it needs new paint. And that's part of the unexpected renovation of this old house. So that gives me some time to think about what size cord and if I'm going to dip dye it and all of the fun things. But I stumbled on something that gave me some really good ideas on updating a project I abandoned this summer. I was making little fairy universes in clear glass Christmas ornaments. And I put some wool in the bottom and then I put some succulents in it. And I'm like, man, it needs something and I don't like the contrast. But then I saw these Christmas ornaments where they put spices and lavender and cinnamon sticks and I thought wouldn't that be wonderful for my little Christmas ornament universe for fairies you got to bring them inside it's really cold outside here (laughs) and I did that I put cloves and all spice they're whole they're really old they've been in my cabinet for a long time so they're not any good for using as spices and I cut a little piece off of a cinnamon stick and then I thought oh these beads are swirly and they look like seashells and I put some glittery beads in there and then so that's on the wool and the succulents and then the spices and it just needs a little finishing I think with a tiny piece of lavender and I thought what an organic and beautiful thing straight from my kitchen with whole spices now I thought if I could find some tiny bay leaves or maybe a bigger ornament Bay leaves would look really pretty in there or some other uh, rosemary. Uh, Things that will hold up, you know, I would prefer them to be dried. And I think that I've got several more of these ornaments that I bought uh, several years ago when I made ornaments for Christmas and then I (laughs) had some left over and I never throw anything away that's a good project. I'm really excited about these. I thought they would be beautiful, not just for putting on a Christmas tree, but hanging in um, windows or just having out. I have orbs that hang in my kitchen window that are hand blown. And I thought these would be beautiful accompaniment pieces to go with that. So those are some creative projects that I've been working on and wrapping up some of the medallion quilts. And I've done two medallion quilts in a row and I'll be honest, I'm ready to move on. So here we go with the Ask me anything. The first question I got is, what's your day job? And this is always an interesting thing to answer because it's kind of a complicated day job. But anyway, my name is Vicki Holloway and I'm a registered nurse. And I work in an outpatient clinic and I am the person that people talk to quite often because we only have a doctor a couple of times a month. Yeah, a month. So we're a rural health clinic and I have a specialty and people call me about that specialty and I help coordinate care. In fact, I just got a new job description. It's called nurse care manager. I don't know what that means yet, Um, but I think it just means I'm going to help coordinate in between specialty physicians and primary care. So that's my day job. Done it for 25 years. Really, really like it. 
And some days it's very, very hard. You know, that's how it is. Jobs that are a challenge is the, they're the nursing has a great slogan. It's called, it's the toughest job you'll ever love. And I'll have to be honest. That's how I feel about my job. I have some wonderful coworkers and really been able to really bond with quite a few people over the years. And I feel like it's been a profession that was worth all the blood, sweat, and tears through school and the early years. Um, when I was first in nursing, uh, we had a saying in nursing school that we were taught is that, um, that nurses eat their young. And this is a terrible thing to say, but uh, we have to be aware as nurses who've been around a long time that when there are new people coming up, they have a lot to learn. Because when we were in school too, we, we graduated and it was enough to get us by to pass the boards, but not enough to make us know enough or know anything about being a nurse. And to be honest, um, it was a rough go the first little bit, not because my coworkers were difficult, but just because there's so much to learn. And I'm very, very thankful for the mentors I had who were kind and gracious, and they had been nurses for over 30 years, and they helped me along the way to learn so much so quickly. So that's my day job. The next question I had was how do you make some plans of all of the ideas that you get? And I'll be honest, um, ideas are like the ocean. It ebbs and flows. And sometimes when you get ideas, they come flooding in in large waves. You get sparked with one idea and another idea comes and another idea comes. I write as many of them down as I can. The thing about it is you have to understand that some of the ideas never come to fruition because they... Maybe they were just an idea and you thought it was cool at the time and then you let it sit on a piece of paper for a while and you're like, no, I don't really want to make that one. Or I saw something on Instagram, say, and everyone was doing it. The one that's for me is the Hoffman Big Dream panel. When I first saw it, I was like, I got to have it, got to have it. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. Got to have it. Well, my local quilt shop isn't getting it in. And now that everybody in the universe who is a long armor has been making this Dahlia panel, which is from Hoffman, and it's absolutely beautiful, the idea has cooled. Now, if they ever get it in, will I buy it? Maybe. Will I make it? Probably, but I may not make it as a regular panel. I've seen some people cutting them up and making bags or pieced quilts. You know, I may do something different with it. So write them all down. But then what happens is there are ideas when it's like the tide going out and you really don't know what to work on or you wished you had written things down because you just don't remember. And so that's where having some sort of a book or a journal or a notebook that strictly has spots for some of these things to write down. Um, I'm currently using Stephanie Palmer's Quilters Planner, and I've used it for this year. It's the first time I've ever used a real planner. Usually I'm a multiple notebook kind of a person and a calendar person, but this is everything all at once, and I find it to be much more helpful. Um, And I'm thinking that I will continue that next year with organizing. And I'm kind of like flipping through looking at 
Um, here's a spot where I wrote down a bunch of ideas because it was a very inspiring day back in September. I was thinking about making some dot paintings or and a table runner featuring um, feathers and arrows. Hmm, I haven't done that. I haven't done the dot painting either. Um, starting an art journal of sorts. Oh, that's a good idea. Updating my jean jacket and keeping going with some hoop embroideries. I've got two done. I have several more that I could do. There are several ideas through this whole um, planner. So I, in the dead of winter, sometimes when I'm not as inspired, then I have something to fall back on. Like, oh yeah, mini quilts was an idea. The hoop embroidery is an idea. Um, knitting little squares and some of these other great ideas. Dot painting. I'd, I've gone so far as buying the paint that's acrylic paints to try doing the dot painting ideas that I've seen on the internet and I totally love it and I'm going to try it, but it looks messy. Yep. So it'll be one of those things where I'll have to set it up probably in the kitchen. Another idea I've had is the Bob Ross challenge with, um, cherry wood fabrics. But the more I think about it, the more I get, mm, I'm not so sure. I love the fabric. Not sure I can come up with an original idea by the deadline. So that's how I keep track of the ebbs and flows. And then once I have just like a brainstorming page, then I prioritize the ideas in order. <clears throat> and I really try not to have too many different projects going at once. You know, if you've listened to the podcast for any length of time, you know that I have a handwork project, a sewing project, and a long-arming project going. And then once in a while, I'll have a craft project going on independent of all of these separate projects. So the thing is, I have to just plug away at the one I'm working on. I try to do it from start to finish. I sew the top, put it in the pile to go up to the long arming in order of which I receive all of my projects to do for other people as well as myself. Then when it gets um, done, the whole list gets done, then I can start working on the brainstorming projects. So that's how I keep containment on starting and stopping projects and keeping them in order. And it is important to me to start something and follow it all the way through to the end. Now, there have been times in my life where I've started 110 projects and not finished any of them. And that makes me a little nuts. So I don't do that very often. Um, the next question I had is, do you like pieced backs or no? Um, this is an interesting question because a lot of people are into making what's called reversible quilts, things that are heavily pieced on the back just as much as the front. And do I like working on them? No, I really don't like heavily pieced backs. Tiny strips of inserts being put in are something you can deal with, but I have run into trouble where the back sags on the long arm frame and you can get um, lumps showing through from all of the seams on the back to the front. So that makes my job a little more difficult. The machine has all these layers of fabric and seams that it's trying to work through. 
Is it a great idea? Yeah, it sure, sure is. And it looks great if you can execute it, but it also re- really wrecks havoc with the tension on my machine sometimes. Uh, so do I really like them? No. Do I think they're cool? Yeah. I've seen some really, really cool pieced backs that just, you have some, sometimes some potential problems with doing it. I would prefer to have 108 inch wide backing on the back that's smooth and then it makes the front look much better. And I think that that's something you just have to remember if it means a lot to you to not have any puckers or pleats or um, extra lumps and bumps on your quilt top and you want it to look perfectly flat, don't do a heavily pieced back. And if you put a pieced back insert strip right in the middle, chances are you're going to have it bubbling up through with some bumps on the top. I've had that happen a few times, but you know, you just have to remember that that can happen. And if it is a big problem for you, don't do it. And the other part is if this quilt is something you want to try to put in a show, um, don't put a piece back on it because that really can detract when it hangs up and the judges may say something, you know, as they're judging your quilt. So that's my feeling on pieced backs. I don't do them very often. I do seams, of course, if you don't have a 108 inch wide fabric and that's um, hard enough to contend with in the lumps and bumps of seams on the back, let alone um, improvisationally pieced inserts, which have their own bias stretch and lumpy bumpy things that can happen. So If I have my way in a perfect world, it would be super wide backs for everyone. (laughs) That's just my preference. So the next question I got is, should I move out of my comfort zone? I'm pretty set in the things that I'm happy with and find it easy maybe to piece in quilting. And I, I answer with, well, what is your goal and what, what do you want to do? I like learning new things. I'm willing to take a risk. Sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. Um, applique is something I've taken a risk on a few times and I'm really bad at it. And I don't like the results I get. But I still get ideas from time to time to learn how to do some applique. I've tried lots of different methods and none of them have worked for me 100% and I am, my hand stitching just isn't very good for needle turns. So, you know, I've just decided, you know, I'll do applique occasionally, but it's not my favorite thing to do, number one. Um, But if I wanted to learn how to do it better, maybe taking some sort of a craftsy class or an in-person class. I guess if you want to learn how to do something more complicated or difficult, from what you're doing. It will spark creativity. It will also help with the things that quilting, crafting, knitting, all these things have been studied. New techniques and new patterns really help exercise our brain. But we have to be willing to take a risk that it won't turn out and be okay with the fact that maybe this doesn't look exactly like the teacher's quilt or maybe the colors I chose. I've done this a few times and it's like, man, that didn't work out exactly the way I wanted. But 
if you ask the question, should I try different things that are out of my comfort zone, then I would say, do you feel pressured to do that? And why? Some people are perfectly happy doing the same set of skills and buy patterns where somebody's done the math or kits where the colors have all been chosen. And they're perfectly happy with that because their joy and happiness comes out of the Zen property of sewing and finishing something. And they don't really want to do all the designing and the math and the choosing. Some people, that's their thing. And maybe if you want to try something a little different, just do one project that's a little different from what you normally do. But I wouldn't suggest jumping into a queen size quilt of something that's super duper hard. Like if you want to learn how to do applique, don't sign up for a Baltimore album quilt. (laughs) That would be a nightmare. Those are for people who have honed their skills and their experts. Maybe you want to try some things like the hand stitching quilt along or watch for Moda Bake Shop or Pat Sloan. They're people in Bonnie Hunter right now. They're all putting out um, block of the month where you can try different things. Um, if you're not into the mystery part because you don't know what's colors to pick. That's my thing about mysteries. This is a side note. I have a hard time with mysteries if you don't know what it looks like because I've made color choice mistakes. But maybe you just want to do do a quilt along where you purchase the pattern that may be a little bit out of your comfort zone. And then weekly people um, will put videos up on YouTube or on their blog or through the website um, on what they're doing. Everybody who does a quilt along seems to do this a lot. I think Riley Blake Challenge um, has a video I saw. Um, There's several YouTubers who do, as, as soon as the block comes out, they do a tips and tricks video. So the thing is, you have to just look around for what support you might need and see if that will help you. Make one block, and if the whole thing is something you can't stand, throw it in your orphan block drawer and be like me. I have a whole drawer of these blocks, and maybe there's several quilts waiting to be made (laughs) and that. So that's most of the questions on Ask Anything. Oh, wait, I did miss one here. It was about quilt documentation, and I thought this would be a great thing to end on quilt documentation. The first part of the, it was a two-part question, is preserving the history of quilting, like what the Quilt Alliance is doing, and people tell their quilt stories and document the quilts they have made, because I really think quilts are important, and quilts matter for many, many things. Everything from the history of people um, making statements about their life, political statements, statements on social commentary in their quilts, I think is important, and telling the story is important. I also think that documenting our history um, is for future generations is important because you don't want it to get lost. And people, you know, they I think they are curious as to know where artists and quilters came from as they make something and then it's reinterpreted by a new generation they're trying to figure out what was there any point to this 
But at the same time, am I a good historian in documenting things? No, not really. Um, do I label all my quilts? No, I haven't. And I've got tons of quilts. And one of my New Year's resolutions every year is I'm going to sew one of my quilt labels on. And they're pre-embroidered ones that just say made by Vicki Holloway. What I do to tell the story, I think, is why I've been blogging for so long. been blogging for a better part of 10 years. It's a way to tell a journal of the stories, of the quilts, of what I learned, maybe a little bit about what was happening in my life um, versus writing it in a paper journal about my quilts because I figured... A paper book will get lost at some point. No one will read it. But if it's online for everybody, maybe someday somebody would find it interesting. I don't know. It's more you know, of a journal for myself, too, because I'll be like, hey, did, when did I make this quilt? And I can go back and look and they go, oh, yeah, that was that long ago. Um, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I picked those colors. What was I thinking? And sometimes I can go back and read about my takeaways from a quilt or what was going on. Because sometimes, you know, most of us make quilts because we enjoy making quilts. And it's actually part of our um, therapy, zen moments, coping with difficult times, celebrating wonderful times. And I think that's all part of quilting. Quilting and sharing, quilting and comfort, quilting and keeping warm physically. You know, I use my quilts because it's cold in the house. But those are, you know, things that I think are important, but maybe they're not as important to me as it is to some people to document and to do trends and over scrutinize things. Because I guess part of me is like in this day and age, everybody has got a YouTube video. I've even got some videos. I've got videos of myself. I've got videos of the quilts I'm making tutorials, how I did it, blogs, Instagram. So how is that going to boil down to documenting quilts in history? I don't know. And maybe it will all be lost to history. And that's why it's so important to have a project like the Quilt Alliance. I've never joined Quilt Alliance, but I've been tempted to. I think they do wonderful work. And it's just the quilt history and the documentation to preserve the history is maybe not as fascinating to me as it is to other people. Um, I like going through, uh, Michigan has a, a state archives and I like to go through and look at the really old quilts and maybe even quilts from the seventies and eighties where people will, you know, talk. There's like a paragraph about each quilt and what it's made out of and, those kinds of things. Um, I find that interesting because you can get a lot of inspiration looking at old, old quilts and making your own version or a derivative work of that. Um, and that leads to the second part of the question, which is copyrights and patterns. And boy, oh boy, this can be a super hot button topic with quilt people. And I'm not an expert in copyright and I don't want to spread any misinformation about copyright. But all I can say is that if somebody makes a quilt and you put it out on a picture of it on social media, there's probably a chance that what you make or what I make is close to somebody's pattern. And if I, uh, you purposely set out to directly copy something, people get mad about that because it's 
you know, their pattern and they want to sell a pattern and make some money. Um, but there's also things I've made over time that I didn't realize that were already out there. I just thought of it and made it for my own pattern. Uh, there's those people who, like, every time you post a picture, they want full documentation of the pattern and who made it and who was the designer and who, what line of fabric it was and who was the designer. I'm not into that. Um, once I buy the fabric or once I buy the pattern, I guess I feel like my my obligation to keep footnoting that is over, I guess. And when you start looking at so many quilts, I mean, how many different ways can you make a quilt? Quilts are made with squares and blocks and patches and um, I don't really know if there's anything super new. I mean, there's lots of things that have been made, but there are ideas and there are things that are new and there are books and patterns written on it. And I think that it's important that if that person came up with the idea that they should get credit or income from you buying that pattern. I still don't think it's right that if you buy a pattern that you photocopy it 10 times for your best friends at your guild because they should all buy the pattern. I still don't think it's right if, um, if somebody sees something and you're smart enough to reverse engineer it yourself, which once you've been quilting a while, you can do that and you write a pattern and try to sell it as your own, you know, that's a problem because really you did copy somebody else's. So copyright and public domain and all of that is really touchy. And I want to say that Elizabeth Townsend Gard is a copyright attorney and she has a podcast called Just Want a Quilt. And I was on it and interviewed. So that should air pretty soon. If you're interested in that kind of stuff, um, really go to her uh, Facebook page called Just Want a Quilt. It has some very interesting articles. But all I can say is the bottom line is if you make something and you put it out there, people are probably going to be inspired by it and make something. And I'm okay with people doing whatever quilt they are inspired by any picture I may put out there. And the chances of me policing anyone, quote, copying or, quote, stealing my ideas is doesn't bother me. My thought is when I buy patterns for specific people, it's because I want from specific people. Number one is because maybe I'm a big fan. <clears throat> There's no secret that I love Tula Pink. And once Tula became famous, you know, there's lots and lots of people who did similar types of fabric. But I'm going to say there's no one like Tula, right? Her art is very specific to her and I buy things because I like her brand. That's why people buy stuff nine times out of ten. And so I think that we have to kind of get away from this notion that we have something so unique that when we make a regular log cabin quilt that um, it's so unique unless you do something really unique with it. Most people know how to make them and if you're going to make a pattern with that kind of stuff it's really because people want to support you as a pattern writer or you they come and bring your their quilts to you to long arm because they like you. I mean there's so many choices and so many things that people can do to spend their money on or tools 
like electric quilter or other design programs where you can figure out most any quilt. And this is a hot button topic. Like I said, people are getting ugly about it and fighting and having um, word wars. And I'm like, the bottom line on all of that is, I find that horrifying. Um, I guess maybe that's part of being a nurse is really people, people don't do that. There's no reason to jam somebody's social media because you think that they stole an idea from somebody else. We don't know if they did or didn't based on a picture or a post. And I think we need to be better than that. If it's a concern, people can report it to, you know, Instagram or Facebook or whatever. But there's no reason to get your whole um, social media support group to do hate on somebody and jam their email and be nasty and snide. It can snowball so out of control so fast that people don't realize the damage that can be done to their own brand because of hateful words uh, don't overreact to stuff just know if it's something good imitation is always going to be part of that as well as more inspiration and derivative work i mean just that's part of the world it's always been part of the world and i think quilters get too weird about this is mine and my idea and I'm going to make a million dollars off it. Well, I don't know that your idea is original. So many times they are, but so many times we're inspired by something else. Could be a piece of art in another medium that we were inspired by. So thinking about that, I just want to say is no matter what, it's not worth getting yourself all worked up into a rabid frenzy and saying mean things to people and taking sides and causing a word war over something like this. So that's what I'd like to end on that with copyright patterns and all that. It's a very gray area and there's a certain culture that goes with copying other people's work and quilting and it's considered a faux pas and you shouldn't do it even though um, many people can look at something and reverse engineer it to the T I mean down to every stitch but most people who do that don't they take the idea and make their own derivative work so that's excuse me that's the um copyright story (laughs) that I saw recently that upset me. So I want to end with, you know, Make Modern Magazine is a magazine that comes out every month and I have a quilt in it called Happy Hour and I am going to put a link to the issue and if you use that link, um, you get to purchase Make Modern at the regular cost. And, of course, it's an affiliate link, which means I might make a little bit of money on that. But it's really chock full of many patterns, many wonderful articles, and it's just really a great magazine for the value. So Make Modern, check it out. Um, I'm just excited that I have my happy hour quilt in there. It'll it's on Instagram and you can see a picture. I'll put that in show notes if I remember because <laughs> my memory is getting short and, you know, support the people that you find have the mission 
and the mindset and the kindness that's in your heart because those are the kinds of people you want to spend your money with their businesses and their brand. And I think Make Modern, um, they're pretty awesome people. They're wonderful to work with. And on that note, I would like to end um, this podcast. And I want to say Happy Thanksgiving to everyone in the United States. That's this week. And I want to say thank you. And that I'm thankful for you, all the rest of people who may not be celebrating Thanksgiving this week. But know that this is a week of contemplation for me personally, I always like to think of all the things I've been thankful for. And that really includes this podcast, my listeners, and of course, all the wonderful friendships, my family, my day job, and all of the things in my life, including this old house. So I want to say everyone have a wonderful week. And if you have Thanksgiving or time to be with your friends, family, and loved ones, take that moment and make the most of it. Quilt on, everyone.